you will please stand with me at the reading of God's word. Jonah chapter 1 is the word that the Lord is sending to you because he loves you. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you and where do you come from? And what is your country and what of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You may be seated. We live in a day of extraordinary 
advances in technology. Um, and we can be thankful as we begin the book of Jonah that they have actually found a picture of the events of Jonah that uh, we will show you right now. If you had asked me to champion the use of social media before this week, I could not have done it. But, uh, and I know, I know many people are upset about the pictures of Bernie and, and, and all the places he has shown up, but I am not one of them. And I shamelessly use this picture. You see the worm? Uh, so Emily Ham created this picture. There's a little worm there. That's just a foreshadowing of what will happen uh, as this book goes on. Um, that's enough of that. Thank you very much. Um, Jonah is a prophet from the 8th century B.C. And he was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And he is, uh, in, in this book, called to preach destruction to his enemies. He doesn't want to. We're going to spend the next four weeks learning why it is he doesn't want to go. But today, I want to give you this one message. And it's a message you may or may not have gotten from your children's Bibles. Uh, from this famous story, it, it starts out with this message in Jonah 1. Leaving the Lord leads to death. Leaving the Lord leads to death. That is the point of Jonah chapter 1. Perhaps the simplest introduction to this magnificent book is right at the beginning whenever the word of the Lord comes to his prophet and says, rise, and then Jonah sunk. Did you hear as I read the story? He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship and he laid down to sleep right after the Lord said, rise. This is a story about where's Jonah. And if we're going to follow the prophet, we have to look down. Point number one, he went in verses one through three down to Joppa. Look at verses one and two again. And I want you to see here the Lord's good word. It is a good word. It is amazing, and, and we must not ever become too familiar with this idea that we see in verse 1, that the word of the Lord comes. When we see, if you, if you understand what happens in the Bible, that, that all of humanity has rejected God, specifically didn't want to listen to God, do you have any sense of how hard it is for you sometimes to discipline yourself to listen to the Lord? If you have any sense of how much of the world around you does not want to hear the Lord, you should be amazed in verse 1 when the word of the Lord comes. And you should see it is good whenever the Lord comes. Even when, verse 2, the word comes in judgment. This is the word. That's to go to that great city of Nineveh. When evil comes up before the Lord, His judgment 
goes out from him. His judgment goes out against those. Do you see that? Just literally there in verse 2. When evil has come up in the eyes of the Lord, He sends His judgment against them. I want you to learn two things from the very first two verses of the book of Jonah. First of all, the God of Israel is the Lord of Nineveh. The God of Israel is the Lord of Nineveh. This week, there were prayers sent up at the inauguration. One prayer in particular, as far as I remember, was saying all kinds of nice things, um, asking for really good things for our country, even appealing to God. And then those nice things were prayed to, from what I recall, I didn't even take the time to look back at it. They were offered to the God of our collective consciences, or consciousness, whatever. Asking all kinds of nice things. And people around are supposed to be agreeing with those prayers. I think those are nice things. And who knows what they're thinking about God and who He is. Beloved, there is one God. And the Assyrians and the people of Nineveh, that great city who was looking to many other gods, they've got a word coming from the true God. The God of Israel is the Lord of Nineveh. Because He is the Creator of everyone. Your Creator and my Creator has claim by the fact that that He is the Creator. If He made you, He owns you. And He has a claim upon all of creation and all of the world and every nation. It doesn't matter who recognizes Him. He has a claim on the United States of America. He has a claim on every single person who exists. And that includes you. You did not make yourself. And that includes me. And some will never hear about Him. Some will never get a word from Him. But He is no less their Creator and they will answer to Him. You and I were made with a purpose. Let that Word to Nineveh, remind you of this. You were made. You were made to image God. You were made to see Him, and you were made to show Him. You were made to love Him, and you were made to know Him. That is the purpose for why you exist. That is a fact, and the Assyrians don't know it. The second thing I want you to see from these first two verses is that the world's Lord is a good judge. It's a good word that goes out because the world's Lord is a good judge. Our best judges, the ones we hope get into the Supreme Court, they are imperfectly just. They may be better than the other justices on the Supreme Court, but they are actually incapable of full justice because they themselves are sinners and they their power is limited. And there are many, many leaders who are not good. There are many leaders who are crooked, who call good evil, 
who call boys girls, who call babies not human. That's the kind of world we live in, a world that perverts justice. But let this be a reminder to you. The world's Lord is a good judge. Whenever evil comes before his eyes, well, justice is going to go out from him. And Nineveh is evil. There are persons in Nineveh who have committed evil and just observe that there is an anger that is personal from God against them. And it says this at the very beginning of the Bible. I, I am he and there is no other. I will bring justice on my adversaries and Nineveh deserves it. Why? What, what is Jonah thinking right now as he is called to go to that great city? He is feeling surely threatened by their evil. That is at least one thing we will talk about more later. But think, I want you to know about these people that God is calling Jonah to preach judgment against. These are people who had become conquerors of the whole world through their evil. They would come to a land and they would conquer a people and then they would strip them naked and chain them together and force them down to hunch over and file in one by one from nose to backside and lead them through the land in humiliation. And when they got to their destination, they would skin them alive. And then once they died, they would save up the bodies and catapult them into the cities they had not yet conquered so that disease would spread. This is an evil people. I wonder if you understand how your record matches up in the eyes of a holy God. You, who I trust, have never done any of those things to anyone. I would just remind you that this world's Lord and good judge is perfectly holy and He calls us to be perfect. Are you perfect? Perfect. Here's the first law. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. Have you loved the Lord with all of your heart? Has every thought in your mind been aimed at the love of God? That's His standard. Has all the strength that you have been given thus far in your life been used in ministry out of a love for God? If not, your evil has come up before this God as well. I want us to understand as we look at the evil of Nineveh that Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed the Pharisees. That means in this town, we have to stop comparing ourselves to the worst people we can think of and think, well, I'm better than them. No, you have to not just be better than them. You have to be better than the best person you know. And there are better people than that even. The Pharisees were the most righteous people in the world. And you have to be more righteous than them. You have to be more righteous than anyone who's ever lived. Our evil has come up before this same God. And it is good that you are hearing it now. 
what I want you to see in verse 3 is when the prophet gets this message, he does what a prophet must not do. And a prophet must not play hooky. One of my favorite stories of one of my favorite people is my little son, whose name I will not mention, but you probably will know him. We were on vacation one year, and we were in this lazy river. And uh, we, we looked around and we said, where is Naaman child? And uh, we couldn't see him. There's this big group behind us, and this child floats up finally. And then he looks at us. I think he was four years old. And he says, sorry, had to catch a later flight. Well, Jonah is going to catch a later flight. And it's not so funny when it comes to being a prophet of the Lord. One thing you must not be as a prophet is reluctant. And that is what Jonah is. Rise up, Jonah! And he went down. And then the author tells us what that means. He went away. The emphasis is not so much on where Jonah is going to, it is where he is going from. That's why twice in the text we are told that that he goes away from the presence of the Lord. When it is the Lord who is the one who is calling you to Nineveh, going away from Nineveh means you're going away from the Lord. And so let me let you have this one observation that obedience to God's word will bring you closer to him. There is a direct correlation in Jonah chapter one that I think we can learn for ourselves. And there's the correlation between proximity to God's word and proximity to the Lord. Nearness to this God. Yes, he is your creator Yes, your evil has come up before him, but that does not mean that you should run away from him. Nearness to this God is your good. So beloved, do whatever it takes to bring yourself as near to his word as possible. The current of discipleship flows down. Or the current, excuse me, that was completely wrong. The current of disobedience flows down. He sins and he goes down, down, down. And that descent of Jonah puts him in further danger. Listen, don't play light with any sin. It only leads in one direction. Leave the word, leave the Lord, lose your life. That's why I say leaving the Lord leads to death. Because once he goes down to Joppa, then he goes down in the ship. And then he'll go down into the sea where he's threatened to die. Point number two, down in the ship. Verses four through ten. Behold the creator. It's so clear he goes away from the presence of the Lord, but the Lord doesn't send out detectives. He doesn't send out, uh, you know, people who can help him find his lost prophet. 
And it's also really clear what the weapons he's dealing with are. Verse 4, his weapons are wind and water. That is the true God. And so this great tempest comes upon the ship and the sailors recognize it is about to break up the ship and they're all about to perish. And so they start hurling all their cargo out and they find a stowaway hiding there. In verse 6, they call, they, they call out to Jonah and say, cry out to your God. We're crying out to ours and we're going down. Notice what Jonah does when he's encouraged to cry out to his God. Verse 7, they come again and say, well, he's not doing it. Or if he's just silently prayed to his God, it must not be his God. Let's cast lots. We've got to figure out what's going on or we're all going to perish. Our prayers have not stopped the storm. And so they cast the lots and the lot tells the truth that Jonah refused to tell. And once the lot comes to him, he finally opens up his mouth in verse 8. Tell us who you are. Why is this evil come upon us? What's your job? Where do you come from? What country are you? You see what they're trying to do. We know every country has a God. We know certain jobs have a God. We need to know what job you have. We need to know what country you come from. Because this storm has come because of you. We need to talk to that God, whoever he is. And verse 9, Jonah says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made this sea. They know a God, only a God, can fire a storm. And they learn it's because of a fleeing prophet. The evil of the storm came upon the sailors. On account of the evil that Jonah had committed. It's his account that's credited for this dangerous storm. And the Lord is saying, if you refuse to call out against evil, that in itself is evil. To witness evil, to know it from the Lord, and to refuse to call out against it, that is evil. And it brings evil. It brings danger. The Lord of the Hebrews is the creator and the God of all the winds, the water, every nation, including these pagan sailors who find themselves in the eye of the storm. And all the world is going to give an account to this God. The path to death starts with fleeing from. And everyone in that path needs to repent. And what's amazing is that Jonah's refusal to obey results in these godless sailors who are crying out to their gods. They end up meeting the God that they had ignored. Leaving the Lord leads to death. Point number three. Where's Jonah? Verses 11 through 17. He's down 
into the sea. Briefly, I want to follow the fear and stare at the storm. Look at the storm. I want you to note the the repetition in our passage of how the tempest, the storm, gets more and more mighty or tempestuous. In verse 4, we're told that the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea. But then when we get to verse 11... We're told that the sea is, has now, to this point, now grown more and more tempestuous. The, the wind and the water are, are getting more and more dangerous. The pressure is increasing. And then in verse 13, we see that again. The sea is growing more and more tempestuous. And this time it says, it is against the sailors. Now that's really interesting. The Lord sends the storm against Jonah. But he finds himself in a ship. And as the Lord gives these people an opportunity to let the storm go away, and Jonah will not participate, he sends more of the storm to compel them. If Jonah will not jump out of the ship and go back to the Lord, then God will force the hand of the sailors or they're going to die. They learn this the hard way. Everyone who harbors a fugitive of the Lord is going to be in danger with the Lord. Even if they didn't choose to harbor this fugitive, they didn't even know what was going on. And so the point that's made is the only thing that's going to quiet down the storm of discipline is to hurl the one out who the Lord hurled the storm on. He's saying, stop blocking my discipline. Give me my prophet. Whenever he says, I'll tell you what will stop the storm. You cast me into the sea. And then they rode harder to dry land. They didn't want to do it. And so the storm came more strongly. Why would that be? Why would the Lord do this? Here it is. Because His word will not be stopped. The word of the Lord came to Jonah go to Nineveh and say this, he is going to get his message to Nineveh. He is absolutely determined. And the the sailors have a conscience that, that Jonah doesn't have. Jonah knows all these people's lives are in danger because of me, and he won't even help them until it gets worse and worse, and then he says what they should do. And they don't want to do it. They Out of some idea of kindness... Now, listen to me. Sometimes kindness that we show to people, like the sailors are showing to Jonah, sometimes our efforts in the name of kindness to other people will actually block the kindness God means to show to them. And that kind of kindness 
is cruel. It is cruel to oppose the discipline of the Lord. Because this Lord who disciplines is kind. It is not good for Jonah to say no to God. So they shouldn't harbor this fugitive any longer. It's not good for the sailors to stand in the way of his discipline of his prophet. It is not good for Nineveh just to keep on going in their evil without hearing about their evil and who the true God is. And so we can all learn this lesson about his discipline of us. It is always kind. It is always kind, even when it's not pleasant. It is what we need to produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives. It will not be pleasant, but it will be kind, and we shouldn't stand in the way of it. Follow the fear. Follow the fear. Did you hear me emphasize as I read the text how that key word keeps getting repeated? I wonder if you notice what exactly the sailors are afraid of. And what changes their fear? Look, look back in verses four through six at their fear. It says that they are afraid of the storm and they're afraid of whichever God sent the storm. Then that, that fear changes. It's not just whichever God. When it gets to verse 10, they're exceedingly afraid because they now know the name That's the word Lord in big and small caps. That's Yahweh. That's the God of Israel. They now know the name of this Lord who is threatening them with death. And then in verses 11 through 14, they're afraid because they're, they're, they're called to let Jonah die and they don't want to let Jonah die. They're they're afraid, it says in verse 14, when they call out to the Lord that they not have innocent blood uh, put upon them. If they throw out this man, you see what they know. He's going to die. If we throw him out, he's going to die. That is what's going to happen. And they don't want to be guilty before this God. But then in verse 15, they pick up Jonah, they hurl him into the sea, and the storm stops. That is what it took. Verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him. What I want you to understand here is fear can get more focused when more revelation is given. They were afraid of the wrong things. They were afraid of understandable things, their own death, but they were afraid of the wrong gods. Until a prophet spoke up and said, who's the real God? And then they were afraid of him. But they were afraid to be guilty before him. But what cures their fear or what focuses their fear on the right and only object of their fear is when they obey him. One of the most important things about you and about me is what are we afraid of? Just watch it. Every time you are afraid, every time you get nervous, remember Jonah 1 and look to the Lord and get revelation of him. Fears are there to make you focus again on who the true Lord is and fearing him alone. 
That's Jonah 1. And I ain't done. I didn't want you to think when I said that's Jonah 1 that I'm about to close it up. One little piece of background that I want to add about Jonah is that it fits in this larger book. You know, this last 12 small books of the Old Testament. They're called the Minor Prophets. And God's people have always viewed them as one book. And this is like one chapter in a larger book. And the purpose of that book, I want you to understand. The end of the Old Testament, the Minor Prophets, were prophecies that God's people needed. Because they were being disciplined by God for disobeying His Word. This message was first given to a people who had been cast out of God's presence. And then they had returned back to their home, but God's presence wasn't with them yet. And you're not going to understand Jonah unless you understand what they understood about Jonah. They would be hearing again as they are waiting, Lord, will you come back to us? They would be hearing again that once you leave the Lord, death comes for you. Verse 3, he goes away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, a deadly storm comes for him. Verse 10, the sailors become aware this is because of the Lord and they don't do anything about it. Verse 11, the death comes for them. Verse 15, they finally get on board with the Lord and life comes to them in verse 16. Once you leave the Lord, death comes for you. Leaving the Lord leads to death is the message of Jonah 1. But Jonah 1 is not just about disciplining a disobedient prophet. Jonah 1 is also and perhaps mainly about God's determination to get a word to rebels. And it is a word that results in mercy. We'll see that in chapter 3 with the people of Nineveh. We've already seen in chapter 1 with these godless sailors that once the prophet tells the truth to those who are perishing, they call out to the Lord and they are spared. So let me give you the message of the whole book. The Lord over all shows compassion to any who cry out to Him. That's what the book of Jonah teaches The Lord over all will show compassion to any who cries out to Him. Once you leave the Lord, death comes for you. But the Lord comes to deliver from death those who have left Him. Not just Jonah, but here we have it in the sailors of Tarshish. Maybe that's not a city you're familiar with. But it shows up in a few key places in the Old Testament. Tarshish is the place in 1 Kings 10 that sent ships of riches to honor King Solomon. Tarshish in the Old Testament is a place for plunder. It's the, it's the place where all the riches went and, and then were sent to the, to the rulers of 
the world. The kings were waiting for wealth and gold and silver from Tarshish. In Isaiah 66, Tarshish is on a short list of stops for the Lord's mission when He is going to send survivors of His judgment. Those who were saved, He will send to Tarshish that the nations might see His glory. And this time when He plunders them, they will not be bringing wealth of gold and silver. They will be bringing worshipers. He says, I will send my people with a word to Tarshish and I will bring back people who will worship me. They will make an offering of their own souls. That is the wealth. And the question is, when do all these prophecies get fulfilled? These prophecies of the port for plunder and bringing Wealth to the Lord in worship. Well, we read it earlier in Revelation chapter 1. Maybe my favorite passage in all of Scripture. Whenever the message goes out into heaven and on the earth and under all the earth, the Lord says, who is worthy to open the scroll with its Seals. We know what the scroll is because of what happens in the rest of Revelation. When they start getting opened, it's all of God's salvation and all of His judgment. It is both of them. It is His good act against those who are evil and it's His salvation of His people. That scroll must be opened. But when the Word goes out, I want you to understand when God says, who is worthy to open my scroll? Who can I trust to bring about all my good purposes for this world? There is no no one who stands up. The Apostle John, the beloved d- disciple of Jesus, is standing there and watching. He doesn't step up. He starts to weep. Where is he? Where is the one I've trusted in? He's the only one who is worthy. And then among the throne, a lamb stands forward who was slain but now has conquered in death. And everyone says, worthy are you because you have by your blood ransomed people from every tribe and nation and tongue. I hope that you will see there is nothing good you can do. You are not worthy. And I hope you see that for your evil you deserve hell. And I hope you'll look to the Lamb who is standing. He is worthy. And He can ransom you. And you can be the wealth that is brought in worship to God with all of Tarshish. So come. If you're blind, come. If you, can't even, if you haven't even seen who the true God is until this moment, come to Him. Come, all you who are poor, not just physically, but you recognize that you have nothing to offer the Lord. You only have your sins. Come, He's a forgiver of sinners. Come if you're lame. If you recognize that your best deeds are nothing in comparison to His holiness, you come. When God's Word comes to us, it will often come against us. And it's a good word. Because that word also says that He can come for us. That He forgives sinners. 
and He can make you righteous in His sight and you can become a kingdom of priests to our God. Would you come? Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that the story doesn't end here. We thank You that the prophets were given by the Spirit of Christ a sense of His suffering and His subsequent glory, and yet they did not know His name and they did not know how He would do it, and You have given us the rest of the Word. We thank You that You have told us this morning that leaving You leads to death. We also thank You that You have told us that in Christ, You left heaven to deliver us from death. So God, would You cause every single soul here to turn away from the worthless gods who cannot save them and turn to the lamb who was slain, but who stands as the conquering lion. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.